Good day. Welcome to the Trendy Place. This is the Trend Podcast with Justin A. Williams. And I want to welcome you to a place where we represent views from all across the spectrum. And today we are doing that again, where we have a great guest. Candace Spears is with us today, and we're going to talk about a couple of things, but mostly what they're calling the great resignation, this phenomenon where people are, during the pandemic, leaving their jobs, uh, leaving all sorts of jobs for new opportunities, seeking opportunities, they're taking risks, right? A lot of people don't have uh, necessarily another job lined up, leaving their job. People are just kind of saying, I'm done being a cog in the machine. That's kind of what I'm beginning from this movement. I, I, I feel like I'm a part of this movement. I was searching for a new work, and then I started working independently myself uh, during the pandemic. And so Candace is going to talk to us about that and then her journey and then some more stuff. But it's going to be a very exciting podcast, so I'm glad you're with us. So Candace, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So the name is Candace Spears. I am I am the founder and CEO of Floor 23, Floor 23 Digital in particular. And we are a human capital tech and innovation consulting firm. And within that, um, I've got this smaller division of something called Company Curators. It is all about um, helping women, especially to unleash their freedom and do a lot of the things that the Great Resignation has prompted before the Great Resignation started. Started, <laughs> as well as just supporting other organizations and the development of their talent, right? And the development of the people who do want to sort of stay and, and be in the machine to help them do that beautifully in an unleashed way. So that's me. I'm a, I'm a mom. I'm a podcaster. I'm a get my hands into everything serial entrepreneur. I, the list goes on and on, Justin. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. I mean, I feel like having a, you know, my mom always told me that uh, you always have to have alternatives with your income and then with your activities, right? And how you're, you're, if you're able to, if you're building a career, so that could be going to college, obviously graduating high school, trying extracurriculars, getting internships, maybe going to graduate school, but you're building connections and then you're not just going and saying, okay, well, I want to work for this company. I got to work for this company, but then I got to think, what if it doesn't work out? What if they have layoffs? Who knows? How do I protect myself? Right. And the thing is, and, and this is this is becoming more realized now with the great res- resignation. But when you when you kind of have this mindset shift. So I'll tell you, in my past experience, I went through these levels of, OK, I'm going to climb the corporate ladder. Then it was like, no, but this is not really for me because I don't want to be told what to do. And I've got an idea about this thing and they don't agree with this, but I think it could be the best thing ever. Right. Mm-hmm. Back to, well, maybe I need to climb a corporate ladder and disappointment and heartache and frustration, all that in between. One of the things I recall. So I had my role had went away at a job. I was at Fortune 500. It was beautiful. Um, role had went away. That was a soul crush to my confidence. It was a soul crush to me just sort of questioning my worth. And I had this moment where I was like, hold on, hold on. I am Candace Spears. Like no one should be able to take that away from me. And so when I went to my next role, because I didn't like fully jump independent, I went to another job. One of the mindsets that I took for myself is one that I think is so important for people to take right now. And that really is, okay, I own me and what I bring to a company, whether it's company X, company Y, company Z, my own company is mine. 
And so, you know, when I went to that next company, I did a lot of stuff with collaboration and facilitating meetings and helping to get to project outcomes, all this stuff. And so what I was noticing, Justin, is people would say to me like, "Ooh, that thing you did, that exercise, like, can you can you come to our team meeting? Can you show us how to do that? And then having this mindset of, okay, so what I did was something that I brought to this company. I went and wrote a book. And said, oh, and hey, by the way, and you can buy this and you buy that. So to your point of like, you know, having more than one thing in the pocket and even taking it a step further to say, I have so much that I bring that goes with me no matter where I go. When I start to look at it like that, man, monetization is endless. Like you've got an endless supply of value. Right, right. You know what I mean? Right, right. That's such a good word to use. I think uh, I'm a I'm a big economics buff. I love reading the history of economics, and the the term value is so uh, interesting because I think it's not always dollars and cents. There's value in building your reputation. Mm-hmm. Right? There's value in 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 building you know uh, your own. Obviously, having a book is is a great thing to to have, even if you're not even charging people for it, right? Mm-hmm. Just to get your name out there. Uh, those are all great things. Yeah. And I, I think what you're saying, too, when we talk about what people are searching for, maybe in the in the midst of a crisis, I think a crisis like the pandemic, um, regardless of your opinion of vaccinations, I think it shocks people and it makes people think of their own mortality. It makes mm-hmm. people think, you know, I'm about maybe 35, 40 years old, not me, but the person, or mm-hmm. they could say, I'm, you know, I'm 60 years old. And I just want to pivot. I just, I can't do this anymore. And the fact that I could literally perhaps get sick and maybe pass away from this thing is making me really think of what I really want. You know, what's what's right. really value in my life? And I think like what you're saying, you know, when you go into a company, a lot of people, when they start off, they're not, they're, they're not taught to have a kind of executive mentality, right? Mm-hmm. That you're going to be, be someone who's making decisions and you're going to be compensated correctly for those decisions. I think most people are, even people with good jobs are trained and have gone to Ivy League schools are trained to think of an employee mentality that I'm going to have to suffer under this boss. It might be, (laughs) yeah, it might be 10 years. They're going to tell me what to do. They're going to give me the training. And you know what? I'm really not going to have a lot of creative input, maybe ever. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, and I think, I think people are kind of saying, I'm fed up with that model. Yeah. And and the thing with the thing with that is I'm I'm glad the great resignation has caused people to question so many things, right? Whether it is their own mortality, whether it is their own value, that type of thing. One of the things though that I've still seen sort of hang around, and this is this is to your point, is that employee mentality, even though they want the freedom. They want that independent, right. I make my decisions, I do my things. We we see this, we have seen this countless times where because, you know, in our company curators division, we're working with women who are leaving corporate and wanting to become entrepreneurs. And to be honest with you, mm-hmm. some people have the entrepreneurial independent bone. Some people don't, <laughs> mm-hmm. but they want it, right? And a lot of that deals with being stuck in the employee mentality of, oh, wait, I am waiting for somebody to tell me exactly what to do or to come knock on my door with the opportunity, as opposed to, 
I need to create the opportunity. I need to create the brand. Just because I exist in this space doesn't mean someone is obligated to give me money on a recurring basis, right? And so that employee mentality, yes, like we, it is educated into us. And, you know, the, the somewhat dangerous thing is for the great resignation, there are those that have went and thrived. There are some that have thrived, but still their employee mentality has persisted. And some of our government intervention has allowed that to also, right, continue because money has been flowing and flowing and flowing. Um, so, I agree with you. It's a long story short to say that employee mentality is, it's pervasive. It is something that some, I think, are carrying into their world of freedom um, mm-hmm. just because of our interventions and supporting our, you know, things wrong with the economy. Here's a check. Here's a check. Here's a check. Right. That supports that. Right. Um, but man, when you get all the way to the other side of like, yes, and I can create value and this value provides money and it provides this and it provides that, that, that is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I think, uh, you know, there was a, a meme on Instagram I thought was interesting where, uh, it was a picture of people in 1920 and the whole street corner was people in suits or very fine dresses and things like that, men and women. And, um, then they juxtapose that with how people dress now. <laughs> and, you know, I think I think sometimes within that criticism is something that people have a criticism of today that I think is unwarranted, which is the response to the Great Resignation, right? Corporations, people who are more mm, closed-minded, traditionalist, are saying, I don't understand this. What do you mean do what you want? I don't understand freelance. What does that mean? You, you go to work nine to five, like my grandfather, when he asked me what I do or, or doesn't understand, like, you know, like what, what do you, what do you, what do you mean that you, you don't go nine to five and you're there all day and you do what you're told, you know? <laughs> and I think that same mentality that had us all conforming to wear suits, even in the middle of summer uh, for work, I think that old mentality is still with us here today in, in the sense that people when they, you know, when they hear about a lot of people finding new opportunities, they they get gun shy. You know, what 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 do you think about that? How can we get people more confident? And should we? Right? Is there is it? Can can we still be a productive nation if we don't have a nation of just kind of employee minded people? Yeah. So I think we need I think we need the mix. Not listen. Not first off. Not everybody, again, back to it, is meant to be independent. Like, they just don't have that sort of independent bone, nor do they want to, right? Which is perfectly fine. And we need the mix, right? My firm doesn't operate without also having employees, right? We, we need the mix. And so I think it's, it's the right opportunity for people to sort of fall into where they want to be as opposed to where they're they're told to be or expected to be and look at the way they work differently, right? So even if you don't necessarily, you know, for some people I've, I've actually had this happen where I've had contractors that come into my team. So they weren't necessarily employees, but they were contractors and they, they had their own business operation, but they said to me like, oh my gosh, like I just would so much rather just like 
get the work from you here. It's so much easier than me going to go do my own thing. So like there are different levels <laughs> into this, right? There are some people who love like the grind. I'm one of those people <laughs> who loves the grind of business development and putting together new opportunities or whatever. There's other people who just love supporting, right? And being an employee in that mix means something. There are folks who simply don't like being an employee because I don't like the fact that I can't be free and have my talent expressed. Doesn't mean I don't want to be in this position as an employee. It's just that I'm not um, I'm not feeling uh, appreciated. I'm not getting the opportunities I want to do. And so therefore, I feel like I need to go do something on my own when that isn't necessarily the thing I really want. Right. So I think we have to be in this beautiful capitalistic society that we live in. We <laughs> We have to have, right, that balance of, you know, our, our gig economy, right? We've got our traditional institutions and we'll see more corporations that I think have more of a mix of, yeah, there's a percentage here that is truly an employee W-2 base. We've got this larger mix that are our 1099, you know, it'll be a mix of things. I, I don't think we'll see this complete move to everybody being fully independent. Um, I wouldn't even want to see that. <laughs> Just thinking yeah. from a company perspective. Sure. Yeah, I don't think we'll see everybody. I, I think uh, even across the board, no, no matter where you go, whether you're going to uh, uh, HBCU or a community college or an Ivy League school, I think there's the breakdown of like who would want to work independently that way and who wants to work for a company, I think, will still be consistent and i think there'll still be enough people to do that would you would you consider yourself a capitalist yes i would okay so i asked that because i asked that because you know a lot of people who talk from your perspective and more of a holistic perspective uh particularly people who are under the age of um, 45 are mm -hmm. seem to be moving towards more of a socialist kind of perspective on how we should run an economy, right? That we should be, uh, it, they, they say that what, what should happen is there should be an apparatus where we can guarantee care. We can guarantee kindness. We can guarantee understanding and we can guarantee through the government um, that companies will become more like how we, I guess, assume they are in Norway or Denmark, like mm -hmm. Ikea, right? You know, yeah, you're yeah. a part owner and you get all these great benefits and all those, those things. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, my question is, do you think that's really practical? I mean, do you think do you think people who say that uh, we need more of the government to step in to support something like a great resignation is needed? I think so. I have. So in my cabinet, in fact, um, there's this phrase I use. I call it redemptive capitalism. Because um, I have, I, I don't consider myself a socialist. I definitely consider myself a capitalist and I stand by that. But I think that there are some things and some of those ideals that are helpful to mix in, right? Mm -hmm. So things like um, being able to have, you know, that government run, government supported healthcare system. Well, okay, why not? And companies and contribution of their fair share. Yes, why not? Um, I'm a hardcore believer of pay equality, right? Just from an independent standpoint, right? And mm -hmm. how do you get yourself um, to a place where you've created this entity and there is this level of 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 just equity 
amongst mm-hmm. folks. Now, yeah. where I start to draw some lines, and this is where the capitalist in me <laughs> steps in, is I do have some of those elements of meritocracy, right? So I do have some of those elements of, ooh, hard blood, sweat, and tears put into this company, right? I want to keep this percentage of equity. I want to do, I want to do that. But still having some of those interventions from the government I think are absolutely helpful, right? And having companies do their contributions. Why not live in a society where everybody has, and you will never have that full, complete, you know, everybody's on the same level, everybody, nah, I don't think we really need that. But everybody has access to the things that they do need. Like that is helpful. Yeah. (laughs) That is a society I would like to live in. Mm-hmm. Above and beyond, you go for it, do for it. Yes, why not? Accumulate mm-hmm. it. Do what you do, put it in. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't really understand history. I think people don't understand how poor people were before capitalism. If you look at what was going on, and that's not to say people poor in Europe, I'll put it that way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, societies that were in uh, Africa or South America or Australia. Uh, East Asia, places like that, while not necessarily capitalist, had somewhat mercantilist types mm-hmm. of societies. They were traders, they were barterers, they were they were uh, the government. There wasn't wasn't a, a big interventionist government uh, hoarding, right? What 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 happened in Europe was people were ninety percent were destitute, poor, and then you have the elites, the lords, and the the kings, and and people like that, and. Before capitalism, you really don't have what I would consider really nation states that are concerned about people, mm-hmm. right? Like King Henry VIII did not give a damn about people. Mm-hmm. We know this is documented from his policies. You can tell he didn't care. You know, King Philip, the the, the blessed in France, did not give a damn about poor people. Mm-hmm. Did not, right? Most mm-hmm. of these people do not. Now we shift to an American system and we shift to a modern modernity now where we've become a little comfortable with the fact that, oh, you know what? I can vote and get a new person in there who's going to serve my interests. Great. I can, I can through my dollars and cents, uh, influence the policies of a company and make them maybe more equitable and mm-hmm. maybe make them more holistic. That's great. So I have more independent power. And I think a lot of people who criticize capitalism are not noticing how – I'm not saying it's perfect. I definitely don't believe it's perfect. Right. Yeah. But I definitely – and I definitely do like – I do like a healthy mix of socialistic theory. But you know, when we talk about something like a great resignation where we are trying to support people financially, right? you don't want to just be free but then within a month you have all this debt. Right. What you want to do is you want to be able to you want to be able to parlay. You want the opportunity to parlay your skills yes. into something that can make you money, and I and I just think that that happens best in a capitalistic system. I think there's it's it's just so it's just it's just simpler to incentivize those that have power to maybe listen to the little guy, right? Because if the little guy can go viral on Twitter, if they can go viral on YouTube and inspire hundred thousand people to make a decision like them. That's mm-hmm. power. That's real power. And that you don't, you don't, you know, Bolsheviks aren't coming up with that. Right. So absolutely. That is so there is so much opportunity in today's age with the internet to <laughs> to really let even the smallest I think about so my kids, 
I have three girls. Um, one of my girls okay. ages 12, 10, and 8. 8, 10, 12. So I have three girls. Um, my husband's also an entrepreneur. So we're both full-time entrepreneurs. Like, this is just, entrepreneurship is just in our blood. And I think about them and even in their upbringing, right? They don't, they don't currently have jobs per se, right? They're, they're young. They go to school. These are the things they do. But for my daughter, who actually was six at the time she did this, who said, okay, mom, um, I want to make some money. I can do some massages, right? So she did like these little massages and got orders at church and, you know, like 50 bucks, you know, whatever. The ability that we have today that has been magnified in amplitude by the internet, amplified by the internet for almost anyone, right? Assuming they have access to the internet, which could be a whole separate issue, <laughs> right? It's amazing to have some of those capitalistic ideals to put into work to go beyond the things that we need. Again, that gets back to, you know, how do we ensure that people have like what they need to survive? But that ability yeah. to go beyond what you need and get the yeah. things that you wildly can imagine through capitalistic right. ideals, that to me is beautiful. Yeah, I think there's um there's a difference between need and want. I think mm -hmm. a lot of people like socialism because people like socialism because you're guaranteed to get, in theory, what you need, right? The basic, mm -hmm. you know, healthcare, dental, uh, you can get um you're going to pay equity, all that stuff uh, mm -hmm. mandated by the government. But in terms of what you want, right, that drive to um, do better than your parents, the drive to to be an entrepreneur and instill that in your kids so that when you make this amount of money, X, they make Y. Mm -hmm. Right. And and with that money, they can protect themselves. They can they can invest, they can help the world, right? I mean, yeah. I don't believe I don't believe in anybody making a ton of money and not contributing to the betterment of the world at some level. Amen. Right. I, I'm I'm not necessarily someone who says, I agree with Elizabeth Warren. When she, Elizabeth Warren was on the campaign trail, a lot of what she was saying about people like um Donald Trump was that or corporate corporate leaders was that you didn't do that on your own. You know, you hired people and you uh, you people volunteer, people interned, and that's very true. It's very true that nobody really does it on their own. So I do like people contributing, but I also think what we should try to support the the spirit of independence and the spirit of um, variety in your life. I mean, there's so many, there's so many. As long as we're as long as we're not crushing small business, and I obviously we can talk about how not to do that. But I think you know it's small business. And the individual saying, I want to create something to better my life, um, that is a deeply American thing. Mm -hmm. And that can make, I think, all communities successful. Mm -hmm. I think what differentiates uh, what differentiates poor communities, whether mm -hmm. they're rural or urban, from successful communities is businesses, right? Mm -hmm. you, could, you could see the change. You could see the change in certain areas in – I live in New York, so – I've watched, and my grandfather has lived in New York since the 40s, and he's watched Brook, Brooklyn go from a, sl a slum to one of the most entrepreneurially led, uh, it's almost like Silicon Valley over there, right? Mm -hmm. And when you go into a neighborhood that used to be poor, and now you see that it's not, well, the main difference is that you see all these small businesses, 
right? Mm-hmm. And they could be black, they could be brown, they could be white, all that stuff. And I think, um, you know, I just think that there's got to be a way to, uh, I don't know what 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 do you what do you what do you think is the importance of small business, like like how to how to how to support that uh, in in in, the, in a capitalistic way? Yeah. So small. <laughs> Small business is our backbone, right? It's backbone of America. <laughs> Small business, you hear about it all the time, right? Yeah. I think that part of that support, like it, it, part of this goes back to our own instilling and when we instill it. And what I mean is from an educational system perspective. So the more we start to bring in, and in fact, this is the one of the things that is near and dear to my heart that we've been trying to to work even more on is entrepreneurship education early right so we've we've got our educational system that is designed to make us you know employees and to just and to be excited about going to work for the large firms right Right. i know it because i've been there (laughs) and i've been and heard the generations right past who were so excited that I was at the mm-hmm. large firm as an employee, mm-hmm. right? So at, at some point, when we be able, when we, when we are able to sort of instill on the constant, like this entrepreneurship education, K through 12, mm-hmm. it is an option. Choosing not to go to college and instead having your business operation that you decide to do is okay. That is yeah. a form of educating yourself. It is a form of learning. I think that's where we start to see more of that sort of appreciation and ingenuity, especially among smaller communities or poorer communities, right? Where when you're just trying to survive, right? What you're hearing is you got to get a job. You got to go get a job. You got to go get a job. You don't often hear, although actually you do, but this is how things sometimes turn into drugs. You don't often hear like, Okay, what are the different ways? What's the tape? What's the discussion around the family table that says, what are the different ways we can get to this money that you're looking for legally? Right. That we can get to this money, right? right. That you're looking for that involves, oh, okay, let's start this business. Or, oh, okay, right. let's start this, right? So the more we kind of ingrain that, I think we more, the more we see that acceptance of like, oh, yeah. I've got this business and, oh yeah, no, I didn't go to college, but that's okay. Right. And the mm-hmm. family is excited about it and the family is supportive. Like all these units play together. Otherwise, when we continue to cheer for the thing that we've always seen, right. And that expected path and we continue to feed the pipeline, which again, nothing wrong <laughs> with feeding the pipeline to larger corporations. Everybody plays a role. But I think it's just that early education, that familial acceptance and like, let's get it. <laughs> like, yeah. mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally understand. I think, um, I think that mentality I think is, is not taught enough. And I think particularly uh, our thought leaders in our society um, are not giving us access to this kind of knowledge and this kind of motivation. I think too often we're concerned with emotions, anger, right? Instead of we say, don't get mad, get even, right? I believe in that, right? Mm-hmm. How can you get even? You, they, it's, it, I, I'm of Jewish descent, right? On both my mom and my dad's side. Mm-hmm. And my dad always told me this fable where he said, Muhammad Ali said this, uh, they used to not let Jewish people on Miami Beach. 
And you know what Miami Beach, who, who Miami Beach basically is owned and controlled by now? It was yeah. mostly people of Jewish descent, right? Yeah. Miami Miami is a, is very populated with a lot of Jewish people, people yeah. with a lot of influence, a lot of power. They can go on the beach whenever they want. Now, yeah. did they protest to do that? Did they riot to do that? Yeah. No, the value in that community was that we are going to pool our resources together. We're going to educate our kids about money. If they're not going to do it in school, do it at home. And our kids are going to be so enterprising that they're not going to go to school to work for you. They're going to go to school to help our community, but also you'll be working for them, right? Yes. And I just think instead of us getting angry at that mentality, we should usurp that mentality. Yes. And I think it, it's a disservice that we get, honestly, um, from, from, from some of our leaders who don't, te- you know, Sam, yeah. it, it, did you see the movie uh, One Night Miami? No. <clears throat> so uh, Ava DuVernay um, produced it, or maybe she directed oh. it. Uh, but it was basically a movie about a night, a fictional night, where um, Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, Jim mm-hmm. Brown, and Sam Cooke are in the same room together, mm-hmm. uh, trying to figure out what they're going to do with the night. And mm-hmm. it turns into a philo- philosophical conversation. All four of them have their own different theories on how to advance uh, people out of poverty, right? Mm-hmm. And particularly for the Black community. And what I liked was Sam Cooke's, Malcolm X was giving Sam Cooke a really hard time. Basically calling him an Uncle Tom, you know, and if you don't know what Uncle Tom is, an Uncle Tom is an old term used for someone who's basically a sellout to the community. Mm -hmm. Um, And Sam Cooke was very emotionally upset about this, the actor, and he returns to Malcolm X and he says, you know, you protest, you shout, you get angry all the time, but do you have a dime for anybody else when they really need it? And Malcolm X is kind of like, I really don't, right? I don't, I live below, I like, I'm not very wealthy myself. And Sam Cooke is like, I own all my masters to my records. Mm-hmm. And when I write a song, when I write a song, it could be a white person singing that song. But you know what? I own my masters, so I get the royalties from that song, even if the Beatles take it. Or if, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Linda Ronstadt takes it, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the smart way that I'm winning. And I'm helping the black community because I'm helping start Baldwin Hills in California. A, a, a affluent black community. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm coaching and teaching other black artists to have their masters and to write songs and do things. So don't tell me I don't have my own movement. And I, and I, I just, you know, that was. I know a lot of times people who talk like that, um, people like Charles Payne or Colton Hughes, when they talk like that, they get labeled. Um, hmm. But I think that's so defeatist. I think we need that. This, that is so important. First off, I'm going to make note to go and watch that because that sounds like... It's on Amazon. It's on Amazon. Okay, I'm going to watch that. The That's that whole topic, Justin, of ownership, right? Yeah. And that importance of ownership, right? And it does start as a mentality. The one person who I admire so much and will talk about it all the time is Tyler Perry. In a very mm. modern day, oh, he talks about ownership constantly and the importance right. of owning things and what you can do and what you can do for your communities and what you're able to do, mm-hmm. being exactly. able to, to have that ownership. And you're right. There is, I I said this to somebody who sent me something. It was about something. I don't know. Neoliberal, something that was sent to me. And I said to them, listen, it's one thing to talk about what other people are doing or not doing. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? <laughs> right. right. That's that's the thing. What are you doing? What is the action that you are taking? Right. How do you take control? I cannot live a life 
where my satisfaction, my ability to reach the things that I want to do is all mm. determined by someone else, right? right. For some people, that is fine. And if that is mm. what you want and you want to advocate for it and that is what you do, then that is fine. But to bring in this level of education that is about ownership and empowerment, getting mm. even, whatever, <laughs> is I think it, it, is, it is critical. It is yeah. man. It's mm-hmm. really critical. Yeah, and you know, I tell that 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 uh, the anecdote about um, Jewish people in Miami um, because it's an example of any individual could do that too if you have patience, right? That you know, a lot of people, it when you're in nursery, right, and you're in kindergarten. Hopefully, if you go to a good school, um, they're teaching you how to be creative. They're teaching you how to. They're saying they're not saying. Um, you know, uh, uh, I'm going to teach you about some certain opinion. They're thinking, this, just be creative. Just sit in the corner and draw this, right? Mm-hmm. And then after that comes uh, playtime together, right? And everything is focused together when you're first learning in school. So you're thinking, oh, okay, this is community, right? Community is about love for each other. And community is about when I have a problem, I can go to this person and we can solve this building block. And, you know, when you enter a room, everything is there for you to get better, but then all of a sudden it shifts to now we care about your individual performance, but you're going to get grades now, right? And if you just don't understand, it's kind of your fault. It's kind of your responsibility. So what that teaches you as you get older is that I need to be really nervous and I need to be really nervous that someone's judging me all the time. Mm. And that creates this mentality that you, when you can be without judgment, when you can be without a, a, an overlord, it's very uncomfortable. You know, and, and, and we and we and we 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 honestly we we need to structure the education system in a way where look, I understand that we need we need people to work at Starbucks, we need people to work jobs that maybe not everybody necessarily wants, or else society doesn't function. Yeah. But right. that doesn't mean that people who do work independently can't be something that actually enhances the experience of people who do uh, a more jobs that are, are uh, let's say, corporate executive jobs, right? Mm-hmm. Because you may you may walk into a Starbucks one day and there's somebody there, you know, maybe maybe they, they graduated from high school, didn't go to college, they're figuring out their life, trying to figure out what they want to do. They got a job to pay the bills. Right. You walk in and you say, you say to that person, hey, you know, I used to work at Starbucks. Oh, what are you doing now? I work independently. You know, I, I, I worked at Starbucks for a while. It gave me the money I needed. I, I saved my money and now I own a deli or now I'm investing in owning a bunch of dominoes or now I've invested and I've retired because I made well in my investments, right? Mm-hmm. There, I think it's a big lie. It's a big lie that America is not a place of opportunity anymore. I think there's a narrative. There's a narrative that has coincided with the pandemic where a lot of people, particularly particularly on the left, are, are looking at this country as if somehow going to the Netherlands would be better, right? Mm-hmm. Or somehow, you know, oh, I'm sure France is so much better, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't, do you see that America well, still has an opportunity? So I'll tell you this, not like I haven't considered trying to get myself citizenship somewhere else, but not for that reason. (laughs) But I do do think um, 
I do think America is still absolutely land of opportunity. I absolutely yeah. do. I think you're getting down to really individual nuts and bolts. And you're hearing you're you're hearing this from a person that my mentality is what I want to do, I will do. Mm-hmm. Period. But that, yeah. but that is my mentality, right? Where yeah. there is a roadblock, I will find a way around it. Right, there is exactly. nothing that can stand in the way of something that I'm supposed to do. Exactly. I, right. So I, I think it, I think some of that is we look at populations or we look at communities and we mm-hmm. say, well, this is not working because of X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. This has happened and this is, and some of this is true to form, right? Like, okay, some of this is like, no lie. There are things that have kept people out, right? Historically, go all the way back, redlining, all this other stuff and housing, sure. very, very real. So yes. <laughs> we're not discounting any of that. But I think mm-hmm. there is this level of, um, for those that want to go after opportunity, and you are taking this sort of core of I'm going to find it, I'm going to get to it, you will. And maybe that means I'm not going to do it here in America and I'm going to do it globally or I'm going to go do fine. But whatever it is, it's an individual, it's an individual thing. Right. I think that's I think that's a big piece of it. Will some of the yeah. I will say, will some of the obstacles be larger than others, depending on who you are, what your gender is, what mm-hmm. your race is? Oh yeah. Of, of course. course. But still, right? What's that individual motivation? Mm, and, yeah. You know. Well, and I don't believe that this can't be fixed within a decade. I mean, I just don't because look at if you look in the look at uh, the destruction of Africans during slavery, right? I mean, slavery is a, in the in the in the West is a total deconstruction of your identity, and you're mm-hmm. given a new one, and you're told that you are subhuman. You were below, you're beneath your purpose, and you're not only that, the happiest time in your life, no matter how you feel, the happiest you will ever be is by being a slave, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, the generation that, the last generation of slaves that were free and then had to make their own way, right? Because the government, you know, they pulled back on Reconstruction, right? And they were terrorized by, mm-hmm. uh, in the South. Mm-hmm. Uh, that generation still was able to find the right set of values, the right set of mentalities, the right set of structural ways of holding a family together so that during the Gilded Age and during the Progressive Era in the early 1920s, you had Blacks working in government. You had Blacks in high levels in the government, right? Around 1915, 1905, the Taft administration, Roosevelt, all that, right? And then you have Blacks starting uh, Black Wall Street out in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You have blacks on their own property in South Carolina or going out west, right? Black cowboys. There were many black cowboys out in the west, right? And what I mean to say, and this is for people who are not black listening too, is that if you could be taught all the wrong values for 300 years and still within 10, 20 years be progressing and at your rate doing better than people who have never been in that position, never been enslaved – that tells me that deep within the human condition, within the human mind, is the potential to overcome obstacles. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I really think that, you know, today, if we taught those values to people and if we let people kind of have the freedom to question and experience an obstacle, but overcome it, I think these are things that can really lead to people being happier. It's not just always about making money. It's not just always about right. being you know, revenge or getting even, right? Obviously. Right. <laughs> it's also it's it's also about just your personal happiness. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of times, you know, there's a lot of people who's, you know, I, there's a lot of people who say, um, you know, we were poor, but you never knew it, right? I was always mm-hmm. happy, right? And I attribute that to a good value set. Mm-hmm. And obviously we want to eliminate poverty as much as we can. But mm-hmm. I, I think that what the great resignation is really trying to be a response to is a response to multiple failures within our system of how we inspire people. Hmm. Mm-hmm. People wanting and desire to say, okay, I'm going to find this for myself. Yeah. Well, and I think people of- want to, I think people want at all ages to be taught things that really are going to motivate them to, to, to treat other people better, to be better versions of themselves. You know, it's the reason why all these self-help gurus and these works, I mean, look at, look at, go on Instagram. How many of these influencers that are like, some of them are like 18 are also your psychological coach, your <laughs> life coach, right? I mean, there's so many Gen Zers who are like, oh my gosh, I just love subscribing to this person because they just, they they just teach me so much I need to know. And, and I'm like, really? I'm looking at their Instagram. It's just all a bunch of like selfies and <laughs> like, where is this happening? But you know, people are, are, I think people are naturally thirsty for self-improvement. And I don't know if our education system is really doing a certain service to that hunger for self-improvement. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think not only do you have the education system, which I have all kinds of thoughts on, on the education system, but when they get to a place where they are an employee and especially in a capitalistic society where this is not true of every company. And I think since the great resignation has been happening, you've seen lots of turns, but where companies have had such an emphasis on, wait a second, we just need to hit our numbers, meet our deadlines, like do what you're supposed to do, or we're going to get somebody else and not necessarily enough concern about, okay, so you as a person, so I remember, so before I left corporate, I was a manager in corporate and had a team mm-hmm. of people. And one of the things the team would always say to me is like, imagine we've never had a manager like, like you, because I cared about them. And honestly, not necessarily what I was supposed to be doing, but the not, not caring, but what I'm about to say, <laughs> I, I cared about their development and whether it happened inside of the company that we worked for or outside that they got where they wanted to go Mm -hmm. and that they were able to tap into like, well, what is the thing that's, that's that's lighting your fire that you're feeling like you're supposed to bring. And that's the piece that is not happening in most corporations. Right. And again, I think things are changing for a lot. And when you get on the, the edge of like, you know, startups and all that, you know, there's more human caring, but some of these older institutions are making the turn, but how do you care about them as humans? How do you mm-hmm. care about how they, uh, not only the work that they do here, but 
how do we even help support some of those ambitions of maybe having a side hustle on the outside and some of the innovation that they're thinking about in their side hustle, maybe that could be beneficial to our company. All that Mm -hmm. takes like a, a different sort of uh, brain and mindset and care for the human as like mm-hmm. truly, truly an asset, not just lip service as an asset, you know, because mm-hmm. that's, right. that's a thing, <laughs> right. but truly as an asset and that holistic care of when they are excited, we don't have to worry about constantly filling openings because I have got somebody here, uh, even on my team now, we have this level of flexibility and the folks on my team, they have other side hustles. I support, how's it going? What are you doing? Oh, wow, that's something that we should be thinking about. How do you holistically care for people so that they care for the organization, they can care for their society? You know what I mean? It just, right. the cycle right. goes, yeah. people can live inspired. Yeah. Right, I think, you know, there was a couple of, there was a, a test that people were doing genetically a couple of years back, maybe a decade ago. They wanted to see if, what made you liberal, what made you conservative was genetically based. And they Mm -hmm. found there are genetic markers that correlate with certain opinion sets. And certain people are less prone to new ideas, change. Mm -hmm. And some Mm -hmm. people really go for change, right? And I think that uh, some people find, when you say words like holistic or progressive or caring or uh, modern, they associate that with things that they really shouldn't be associated with. They politicize it and they don't give it a chance. And they think all that sounds like some kind of hippie voodoo that I don't really care about, right? I, it's gonna waste my time and I need to just get home and, and pay the bills and be with my family, right? But I think, you know, the benefit and of, of a capitalistic system is that capitalism doesn't always just, people think capitalism just responds to dollars and cents. And that's not really what capitalism does. Capitalism also is a response to desires and behaviors. And people, you can make, you can take advantage of the fact that corporations are somewhat shallow and somewhat <laughs> driven by the bottom line, right? Because that means if you really affect their bottom line, they will change like that. And they will go from being your enemy to your friend in a day. They're yes. totally malleable. Now, I'm not saying one person can make that change. A celebrity probably can someone with some clout, but in an era now where any person could go on Twitter, go on YouTube, go on some social media site and go from a no name and then go to having some kind of influence is a society that still has opportunity. It's a society that, that still has some kind of level playing field, you know? And I, 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 I obviously feel as though a lot of times we are manipulated by certain institutions and things like that. I still believe that um, there's enough examples of people doing the right thing and people showing true American values of uh, egalitarianism, due process, things like that, that I think there's still a lot of hope for this country to be uh, just a better place for everybody. And I mean everybody, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is, again, there is that gets back to that individual piece, right? If you, yeah. if you are really in like the, okay, I'm going to play this game. And even when you think, one of the things that I think is helpful, especially depending on who you are, but certain populations, I think about my history, even if it's familial history, we don't even have mm-hmm. to make it like, you know, slave trade level, like right. 
familial history, right? Mm-hmm. I have a father who picked cotton, had to leave school half day, go pick cotton in the fields in Mississippi, right? Mm-hmm. I know I, I've heard the stories of walking miles just to get to the church. I've heard the, the stories of the dirt floors in the houses yeah. they lived mm-hmm. in, right? Yeah. And so with that, I feel also this sense of responsibility of like, hold on, <laughs> if they can do all this and I just kind of, I've got this, you know, nice house, nice car. I, 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 I can drive where I need to go. I can do all this. Right. These little obstacles, what are we talking about? Like how, right. <laughs> how dare I, when they made a way to even sustain regular life, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Right. Right. So yeah, I think, I think there absolutely is opportunity um, when I even just flash back into comparison, right? In, in, in mm-hmm. history. So for sure. Well, I want to thank you so much, Candace, for coming on today. It was really great to have you. For our listeners, I hope you were edified by the experience. I hope you were challenged. Obviously, you know, we're a place to debate. So please comment, like, subscribe. Let me know how you feel about the episode. We are available everywhere where podcasts are found. Again, we post the last two weeks at the end of the month. I want to thank my guest, Candace Spears. And Candace, do you have any last words for the audience? I would just say, you've got me so fired up here. Uh, ownership matters. Own your time, ownership. your talent, your identity. I don't care yes. where you are in somebody's corporation or out of it. Own it and, and go after the things that you see for yourself. And that's that's it. <laughs> Definitely. And keep educating yourself every day, whether that's reading a book for 10 minutes, whether that's uh, going on YouTube and learning something new, prove yourself every day. But remember, trenders, we're better when we trend together. Take care. <laughs>